With the tournament well underway, March Madness 2018 has really been mad. Throws it up. Oh! He fakes it in at the buzzer. Here's a reaction defensively. You get the block, catch, toss. It's good to me. We all know you lost money on your bracket. You know you didn't win after those upsets, but you're still tuned in to see which Cinderella team can win. Oh, no. But you know what? I'm going to take a different approach. And for me, what March Madness is really, I'm turning around, is what makes me mad in March. And recently, we see a number of things that we talked about on this show, dealing with police brutality, dealing with coaches' salaries. We'll talk about that in a minute. But let's start with what made me mad this March. The Austin Bomber, Mark Condit. Here's a guy that had bombs sent to people's homes. Two African-Americans were, were murdered and one Latino woman seriously injured. The police chased this guy down, saw his picture, and he pulls the bomb on himself, almost like a suicide bomber. But now that the reports come up, what makes me mad is they hear that he was isolated, had some challenges. But what about those victims? This makes no sense. You know if it was an African-American person, they'll blame their parents, they'll blame hip-hop, they'll blame tattoos. But when it's the white guys, we don't blame white culture. Bad parenting, suburbanization, lacrosse, hockey, vineyard vines. This is just one white guy that was isolated and was facing some problems. Was it social media, video games? So all these excuses, but what about the victims? That got me mad. But let's keep going. Number two, Sacramento Police, SPD. Here we go again. In the neighborhood of Sacramento, some black guy was breaking into cars. Steph Stephen Clark, Stephen Clark, confronted by the police. He comes at the police. They quote unquote, we know the story, feared for their life. And what happened? He had a cell phone, 22 shots. Now they released the videotape, but that's the strategy. When you release that tape, you're admitting that you followed the procedure and that essentially what they're going to say is by releasing the tape, it proves that we feared for our life and we acted right. So we know how this goes. There's protest. The Sacramento Kings owner gets out in front of it because of the protest. We can work together. We say all these general platitudes. Race doesn't matter, even though it's only black guys getting murdered. We don't say what it really is. Police murdering African-Americans disproportionately. Then there'll be talks and discussions, and we know how it goes. Those cops will leave with pay, and then the city will settle. The family will get a check, and we keep on moving. Well, Dave, I just want to make sure I got this right, because you know how I like to keep score. So it's 22 shots for a cell phone in California, and in the Bronx, it's 41 shots for a wallet. So altogether, that's 63 shots for no gun. What also makes me mad is today, well, not today, but there was these recent marches about gun violence and gun control. Why are, is the United States, are we having these marches? You don't see them in Australia, France, Germany, Canada. They probably look at, oh, these folks are crazy. And you can't blame it on social media, because guess what? They're watching the same videos. 
You ever been to Japan? You ever watch anime? Just as violent, sexual, and graphic as anything else. But you don't have all these mass shootings in Tokyo? You don't see that. What is the problem? Why are we still having these discussions? It's unbelievable. So, so I attended the, the march in Connecticut. And what I find interesting is they don't make the connection between police gun violence and black victims to the mass shootings and gun control. Nobody brought that up. We can't make that connection. Because why? The police are good guys. They were in fear. Even though there's numerous cases on the news about what? Police making mistakes and they cutting them checks. More protests and community meeting with lawmakers are planned in Sacramento today over the police shooting death of Stefan Clark. One question likely to come up when protesters are here and when the city council holds a public meeting on Clark's death today is why officers turned off their body cam video minutes after shooting Clark. <laughs> Stefan Clark's grandmother stood with national civil rights leaders Monday and said she feared for her own safety when she heard gunfire behind her house. Her grandson was killed in a hail of gunfire, captured on police body cam video. Show me your hands, gun, gun, gun! They didn't have to shoot him that many times. Minutes after the shooting, officers put their body cameras on mute. So their conversations were not recorded. Sacramento Mayor Daryl Steinberg says he wants to know why. Are there any circumstances under the training protocols that uh, make that justified. Clark had been spotted by a sheriff's helicopter and was suspected of breaking car windows in the area. Two patrol officers pursued him and within seconds of reaching him, opened fire. They feared he had a gun in his hand. It was only a cell phone. This is reminiscent of so many police shootings. And we will fight for Stefan until we get justice for Stefan. Now, the final thing to get me mad before we really get into the sports thing, Johnny Manziel. I'm back. Here's Johnny. Remember that? From The Shining, Jack Nicholson. He goes out, throws some passes to some potential, you know, uh, uh, draft picks from the University of San Diego. They invite him. 13 NFL coaches just take a look. Now, we know taking a look is free, and we see something going on here. There's a brother by the name of Colin Kaepernick, who, as we all know, took a knee. But there's another brother named Eric Reed who also took a knee. He can't find a job. He, just like Kaepernick, said, you know what? I'm not protesting this year. So right now, he's waiting by his phone, probably doing his workout. This is Eric Reed waiting for that phone call. Now, Manziel is slick. He gave a shout-out to Kaepernick. You see how this works? So people are thinking, will he get a job back in the NFL? I know the CFL is looking for him, but it looks like he might get back in the league. The league is just trying to test the water to see how much blowback if you bring back Manziel. Let's be honest. Will there be more boycotts by African-Americans watching NFL this year? We don't know. If you bring Manziel back, does it draw great attention for your team? Does he have something left in the tank? Or if you bring him back, why do we bring Kaepernick back? So Manziel... Drinking, clubbing, not listening, some domestic abuse allegations. Kaepernick, protesting police brutality. Hmm. So the moral of the story is, get high. Unfortunately, if you, if you assault women, it don't matter. You get a second chance. Break the law, 
But as long as you don't protest about racism, police brutality, you will get a second chance. Period. End of story. So Eric Reed, we'll see what happens. I think he'll be back because he wasn't as, when we think of the protest, we don't think of his name as we do Kaepernick. So maybe by midseason he might come back, Eric Reed, but right now he's on the sidelines looking in. So that made me mad in March. Ladies and gentlemen, we are so happy to be back with you. So I'd like to officially welcome you to season two of the podcast for your punk ass, starring Dr. David Canton and yours truly. It's Jerry like when one shining moment starts to get real bright, cause Cinderella's handling the ball tonight. Or is it divine intervention from Sister Jean? Cause me and Dave can't even name one player on the team. Stand alone, yo, in San Antonio. The only fact is you gotta knock the Wildcats off the throne. Time out! Time you won't out. stay alive forever. Like when the Fab Five ran out of timeouts with Weber. Shout to UNBC, they had a hell of a run. And I never thought I'd ever see a 16 beat a one. From CBS, yeah, to TBS. Uh-huh. And on. from TNT Why? to True TV. Yeah. Whether you Laying down bets in the pool at the job. You got Kenny the Jet, Charles and Clark Keller. You got Barney Miller on Sean Miller. The cats are still shooting threes like born killers. What a thriller. March Madness. This is what makes March for me so maddening. Dave, they gotta start paying the players. I mean, at least in revenue generating sports. All the money that this tournament is making, and the players don't see a dime, not one red cent. It just. Check this out. You go to IBM. Basketball and football players, they're the CEOs of college sports. Doesn't the janitor work hard at IBM? Right? Everybody works hard. Everybody's put in 40-hour weeks, but does everybody get paid the same? No. It's based on what? Revenue. So if college and football players bring in this money train, they should be compensated for what they bring in. No different than any company. You have CEOs, middle management, then you have folks at the bottom. They can sit down and figure out something. They just don't want to. But they can. But there's always that fear of the backlash. Gender discrimination, because I put in 40 hours. But most male sports don't even I can't stress that enough. They just want to avoid that at all costs for some reason. And that's why we continue to have scandals. You know what I think it is, Beaks? It's all these jobs associated with what? Sports. They have an office called Office of Compliance. So now if you start paying cats, we're cutting that staff 50%. Yo, Dave, we don't need you no more, son. It's all above board. 50 Gs. We don't need you. You sure? Nah, dog. You out. You're fired. We've cut all those jobs. Yeah, but couldn't they take a percentage or a portion of the coach's salary maybe and spread it amongst the players? Some of these coaches are making, you know, several million dollars a year. What if they took 10 or 15% of that and spread it out amongst the players? They say, we earned that. That's that's their problem. (laughs) That's their problem. Danny Hurley said, hey, that's not my problem. I was an amateur athlete once. You get a great education. Even though cats ain't graduating, they can't get a coaching job, athletic director job. This is the problem. It's terrible. It's disgusting. That's what makes me so mad about the March Madness. I know the story behind the story. Then you have those 30 for 30s. Oh, uh, uh, Illinois, Chicago, 20 years from now. What happened to this kid? He went to Europe, hurt his knee. Next thing you know, he's in a community center in Chicago, not knocking it. Then the guy at the end of the bench, the white cat, he's some coach somewhere, making $600,000. He ain't played one minute of tournament. Just the television money alone from the four networks that the tournament is on 
It's enough. It's enough money generated where they could pay the players something. Billions. That contract is billions. CBS, TNT, TBS, True TV. They get a stipend. So what happens? They travel. They'll get like a travel stipend, you know, for the four days, whatever it is. You're missing all these classes. Student athlete. Yeah, right. You see what I'm saying? But how much is the stipend? Hey, depends what you negotiate. <laughs> depends what you negotiate. See, that's the thing. People don't realize that, again, I think I wrote about it, 70% are middle, uh, second generation. So that means that on a bench, their parents went to college, they have access to resources. Practice. So the whole Allen Iverson model, that's one, that's only, so the 10 players on a team, three are the mo Iverson model. Super broke, first generation. The other seven comes from homes where parents went to college and graduated. Practice. So the whole game is changing. Not a game, not a you game. You see what I mean? In the 2000s, changing now. Because for middle class parents, athletics is another way, again, to get a free education. So they have the money to spend on the training camps, AAU, personal trainers, Practice. diets, and all the other stuff you need to be a yeah. competitive athlete. Of course. You're talking about the Clay Thompsons and the Steph Currys of the world. Oh, without a doubt. Look at the NBA rosters. How many second gen kids we have? What's his name uh, for Cleveland, the second gen? Uh, Nance, Curry, Clay Thompson, so many. Shaq's son's coming in there soon. You know what I mean? Uh, your boy from Cincinnati, Kenya Martin's son, Pippin's kid. See what I mean? So those kids come from money, and they're all going to the league. So I guess the question is, should they get paid even though they come from money? Well, guess what? The Zuckerberg still get paid? The son gonna still get paid? always changing the rules that's the problem with it so ultimately in a nutshell this is what makes me so mad in march yes i enjoy the dunks and to be honest i don't really watch the games like i used to i'm really looking at what's going on behind the scene and what's happening and i hear a lot of chatter about on the one hand they like the cinderella stories but then they want to see duke they want to see kentucky Make up your mind. Yeah, but how would they go about setting up payment? Because it would be dangerous to the game to make it incentive-based. And then at the same time, you have the issue of revenue-generating sports against non-revenue-generating <laughs> right. sports. I mean, again, how will we figure it out, right? As you know, you watch Duke, five of them cats ain't playing. But they practice every day. Now, it's no different than the water polo team. They practice every day. The lacrosse team practice every day. But again... When you go to a, a restaurant, doesn't the dishwasher put in 40 hours a week? Does he get paid as much as the manager? No! You see what I'm saying? Basketball and football are the CEOs of college athletics because they bring in the revenues for all these power stations. When I go to Facebook, Zuckerberg makes more than the person at the bottom coding, whatever is at the bottom of that, of that enterprise. Everybody's working hard. But somehow these rules don't apply. It's unfair. It's this and that. But everywhere else it's okay. That's all I'm getting at, right? That I just get at why people are so angry. Like it's your money. They don't deserve it. Or they don't see the hypocrisy. The 80 hour weeks that these athletes put in. I just don't get it, Beaks. What people may not realize also is that success in this tournament also generates admission for the school. No doubt about it. Kids, from the application fee of $50 to being in the stadium, watching the game, it's generated for tuition dollars. Students want to go to these big schools 
to be in that culture and that atmosphere. That becomes your memory. It's a free recruiting tool. Of course, it would actually be interesting to see how admissions affected at UMBC, who was a 16 seed who beat the one seed Virginia, or any mid-major, any Cinderella that makes a run to the final eight or the final four. You're right, same with Loyola Chicago. They did that with uh, Doug Flutie. You know, Boston College beat Miami, applications went up. So UMBC, will see maybe an uptick. But there's another good story UMBC beats. It's the number one producer of African students for PhDs in the STEM field. That gets lost in the story. Yeah, I don't think Charles Barkley mentioned that. <laughs> nah, I didn't go into that. That's terrible. You know, so it's the number one ever. Uh, uh, the, the president's Freeman Habrowski, African-American guy from Alabama. Sure, I've heard him speak before. I know what you're talking about. Took tons of time. They missed that part. Two of the students had a 4.0. That's terrible. On the team. So now if I'm an African-American ball player, want to do math, I guarantee their numbers are going up. So those are the black kids that might go to Division Three, will now go to UMBC, Division One, or Borderline Division Two, who has an interest in math and science. So you might see, you'll definitely probably see an uptick because of that victory for this year with UMBC. But it's definitely, a, it was a, it's a great story, but definitely that part that gets undermined, the academic part doesn't get as much attention. We just got so caught up in the 16 versus the one. But it's something called the law of averages. You knew it was going to happen, just a matter of when. So we'll see next year now people start betting on their brackets. Will this be an annual thing? Will the HBCU upset number one? Will that happen? We don't know, but kudos to UNBC and what they did. <laughs> it's funny how a lot of these biggest schools that were named and the scandal about kids getting paid money under the table to attend their university. A lot of those teams lost to smaller schools or lower seats. That's a good point, right? So the ones that's supposed to win, like Arizona, Kentucky, all the big schools are on those lists. But also they do another fact. I think at Villanova, those guys stay three to four years. You see, so look at Calipari. He was the one and done guru. Remember that? And Shusevsky was so animate against it. He changed. Now folks caught up the Calipari. So now the Gonzagas, the Villanovas, we need the kid who's going to do three years. We can't go one and done. If they learn how to play discipline, learn the system and develop and improve, we can be competitive like Villanova the last decade. That's the Jay Wright program. We're not getting one and done. You're not coming to Villanova. I'm not going to look you up in AU in, in the summertime. I'm looking the guy at number eight on the bench, number seven, Six foot eight, kind of skinny, but he comes to Villanova. He's not leaving the first year because he's not good enough. I build confidence by a junior. We have a mature team that can play disciplined basketball. The one and done model Cal does. We have five first year students, all egocentric, not used to passing. Think it looks easy on TV. You're going to play at Villanova and not as athletic. You see what I mean? And look at Calipari's outcome now. They've caught up to him. Duke now, he gets the one and done, but he still gets the elite one and done with uh, your guy, uh, what's his name, Bagley, the yeah. other big guy. Well, Duke started four freshmen this year with Grayson Allen being the only senior upperclassman in the starting five. You see what I'm saying? So Calipari's in a mess. He's in trouble. I think I think something's happening. Now, I know, now it's not scandal-driven, but folks caught up to him and now he's getting all these one and dones, and maybe it's not that good. You see what I mean? So 
people change. So I think Villanova, Gonzaga, you have a strategy. I'm going to get the kids that will not leave in one year. Exactly, and it's actually a good way for some of these smaller schools to even motivate themselves going into some of these games. It's like the rule takers <laughs> versus the rule breakers. I think also why these teams win because continuity. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Right? And then, like you said, these breaks. Arizona's out. The other teams are out. Life is timing, Beaks. This is why I tell folks in sports. Life is time. What do I mean by that? You don't control half your life. Your birth is with your parents. You don't control that. Where you live. So if you're the best baller in Montana, you're in trouble. You want to play hockey? You don't live in Minnesota, Michigan, right? Canada, it's more difficult. Oh, sure. So life is timing. Love is out of your control. Your size, where you live, your income. I want to play lacrosse. You got money, it's hard to play. So all that is out of your control. So I think for this year, you know, this is just aberration. Who knows? Or we see that the bottom seeds have one thing in common continuity and consistency and, and i think coaches go into that saying listen we're not getting one and done but if you just buy into the program put your ego down we can compete against the one and done teams who have not felt this pressure of division one march madness pressure and that's really the two models one and done or continuity villanova's model versus coach k's model i say the future is ours a lot of these players know they're getting drafted even before the tournament starts, Dave. Oh, yeah. They probably stopped going to class since Thanksgiving. <laughs> now, we should do a documentary on that. I think Ben Simmons doing He's real honest. He didn't want to go to LSU. Yeah. But he just had to. You know, he's being honest. I'm wasting time. Is Bagley still going to class after next week? I'm not. I'm going to the gym. That's my class. So I can still be in Duke in the dorm. I'm guessing he goes to class but still use their gym facilities. If you're not taking classes, you should be kicked out, but that's not how it works. You know when the tournament's over, the dude from Arizona, he's not going to class, he declared. So what happens now? Still in the dorm? Does he go to class? Or is this class the gym? Does he pay a trainer or he gets one on credit? I know how it goes, he's training now for the draft. That's how it works. Someone's fascinated by that. What happens to those guys when you're kicked out, you go back to the University of Arizona, you go to the dorm, everyone knows you declared going pro. If I'm a sissy professor, uh, excuse me, so you come to class? I'm not asking that question. I'm telling him good luck. You see what I mean? He still uses the gym, still sleeps, and that's I think that's part of the payoff trade-off. You did this for us, we'll do this for you. Prepare for the draft, you can still sleep in the dorm, in the cab for free, use all our facilities. We want you to be in the best shape for the draft, so you know what? When you make that money, you write us a check to the athletic department to win-win. Think about it. If we kick them off, he makes a big salary. Why should I give Arizona money when they booted me right after the tournament? So again, the hypocrisy is just too real. If you're a student, you're not going to class. You ain't a student. But the reality is, you know, Beaks, you can't be enrolled and don't go to class. So it's really not too far. A lot of students do that. They're enrolled, quote-unquote, but they ain't been to class in three months. And it's actually hypocritical for these coaches to pack up and move on to a better job. But it's not okay for the one and done to pack up and move on to a, a job. Well, it's the same model when schools recruit students. We're a family. They lying. This is business. All school, you can come here, we have a beautiful campus, and we're family. Then the first day you go in class, there's some student that says some racist stuff or in the dorm. But I thought we were family, same in the sports. They come to your house, 
We're a family atmosphere. They have dinner at my house. They hang out with my kids. When that door opportunity starts knocking, I'm out. That's our show for today, folks. Be sure to follow us at Dave and Beaks on Twitter, and we'll bring you another episode as soon as it's humanly possible. Because without you, it would only be us. Dark brown shades of my skin Only add color to my tears Oh, oh That splash against my hollow bones That rocks my soul oh, 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 oh. Looking back over my Wondering why my dreams never came true Is it because I'm black? Uh Somebody tell me what can I do Oh Lord Something is holding me back Uh Is it because I'm black? Yeah. In this well of no pity, I was raised in the ghettos of the city. Yeah, oh Lord. Uh. Uh. Mama, she worked so hard to earn every penny. Something is holding me back Uh Is it because I'm black?